I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. I want to thank you all for being here this morning, especially our guests who are with us, whether you're here in person or watching online or listening to our podcast. We just appreciate you spending time with us today. Uh, thanks for coming out on the cold morning, and we want to just uh, thank our setup and takedown team this morning because it was cold this morning when they were rolling in the trailer, and so they make uh, all of our worship possible. And last Sunday, I was super excited to announce that our Christmas Eve offering was right at $60,000 that we're going to split in half and give uh, half of that to New Story Church to, uh, for they, so they can provide a medical clinic free uh, to the people of their community living in poverty. The other half is going to go to uh, Rotary International through the Ballantine Rotary here in Charlotte to bring clean water to Haiti. And we're about $600 short of $60,000, so I just ask you all if you would think and pray about bumping that up to $60,000, and, and you more than did that. Uh, we're at $68,200 now, so... Thank you so much for your generosity and giving Jesus such an awesome birthday gift uh, and helping literally save lives physically and spiritually uh, in North Carolina and all the way down in Haiti. So I just love you guys, and I'm so proud uh, to be your pastor. Uh, we are in the story. It is going to be a year-long um, journey through the Bible. We're reading an abridged copy called The Story, and uh, Pastor Nancy will tell you later how you can pick up a copy if you don't yet have one. Uh, we're starting off today with chapter one uh, in creation, and what we're doing across the year is breaking the story into, into smaller segments, smaller series, and so our series for the next few weeks is going to be back to the start. Uh, we're looking back to the beginning of the Bible and see what God started out with and how our relationship with God started. So glad you're here to be a part of the discussion. And now uh, just invite you to join me in a moment of silent prayer that I would deliver God's word today, that we would all hear it and allow God's story to be part of our story. Let's pray together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My son Luke is 10 years old. He's in the fourth grade. And one of his recent assignments was to choose a biography uh, to read about. And he's going to do a report for his class. And of course, it's an age-level biography. And so uh, he came home, and we jumped on Amazon.com and started Googling uh, biographies for, for kids. And so there's like 100 different ones you know, that pop up. And so we're looking through those. And there was Blackbeard the Pirate, Walt Disney, J.K. Rowling, the writer of the Harry Potter series, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, all those sorts of things. And so you know, I was curious trying to see what he was going to choose. I mean, he was leaning towards Genghis Khan and uh, Blackbeard and things like that. And I said, well, what about Albert Einstein? He's like, well, who's Albert Einstein? I said, he was a great scientist and the Nazis were wanting him to help them learn how to create a nuclear bomb, but he was living in America. He's like, well, tell me more about Einstein. And so I said, you know, Einstein came with all these amazing theories about how the universe is, is really, really is. And so he has this idea that time uh, passes by in, in different ways. It's relative. He's like, well, what does that mean? And I said, well, as I understand it, and I'm not a physicist, but the faster that you go, especially if you can achieve the speed of light, then time slows down. So let's say that you could get on a spaceship and you could go at the speed of light, which is like 670 million miles per hour, so that's impossible. But, but as you approach that speed, if you were gone for an hour and came back to the earth, then everybody that you knew and loved would be dead because in your hour, well, like tens, twenty, 
hundreds of years have passed by and everyone's aged out because the faster you go, it's just an hour for you. But back on the earth, it's just all these years would pass by. He's like, wow, really? I'm like, yeah, that's what, that's what Einstein believed. And Einstein also said, like when we look up in the sky and we see stars at night, that a lot of what we're seeing is we're seeing back in, in time because those stars are so far away. They've all, a lot of them have burned out, but it's so far away that the light is still traveling. And so we're looking back in time. Uh, and so Einstein also said this, that uh, he believes that time space is all kind of one thing and that it's curved. And this is kind of cool. So if you can look on this up on the screen, you'll see that I'm a, a true artist here. Um, <laughs> this is the earth and this is a star. And let's just say that they're one light year apart. So traveling at 670 million miles per hour, we could get there in a year, okay? So that's one light year away, and you'd have to travel straight like that. And we see it as being flat, but really, it's curved. And so if we wanted to go from the Earth to the star, we would still go the same distance, but we would go across a curve here. And so Einstein and some other scientists think, well, what if we could take a shortcut between this side and this side? Rather than going all the way over, we could do a shortcut, and that might be possible to travel farther in space. And so they're looking for what they're calling wormholes in the universe, right? So this is not science fiction. It's not Star Wars. It's not Doctor Who. This is real stuff. Guess which biography he picked? <laughs> Albert Einstein. I sold him on it. So uh, he did. He's, he's read that, and it's fascinating. And what just blows me away by reading stuff like that is just how incredibly awesome God is. That God has created this universe and it's mind-boggling what it is and how scientists discover just how special creation is. And so today we've read chapter one of the story and it's about how God created the universe, how God created the earth, how God created human beings. And, and it said that God created through speaking because God is so powerful that he spoke into creation everything. And after God did that, he said that it is good. And so the universe and you and I and, and everything and all of creation, it, it's very, very good. And so it's, it's awesome and it's special and, and it's mind-boggling. It's, it's more in-depth than we can imagine. And so thank God that there are people like Einstein who figure out kind of the way that God has made the universe. And, you know, sometimes people ask me, well, you know, well, Pastor Kyle, you know, it says in the Bible that God created in seven days and were those, you know, seven earth days, were those seven God days? I would kind of lean to seven God days because that probably took some time. And, you know, we, we measure a day based on the sun. Uh, but the sun, I don't think, was created until like the third day in God's version. And, you know, God says, I'm coming soon. Jesus said that, and it's 2,000 years later, and, and soon hasn't really happened for us. So I think God's time's a little different than our time. Um, but I don't think it really matters. I think the point is God created everything. And others ask, well, what about the Big Bang Theory or evolution? And, you know, I'm a scientific person, and these things seem to make sense to me. And, you know, science discovers things like Einstein. And, and you know, can, can faith and science live together? And I think absolutely they can. I think that when scientists discover things about the world or the universe, that they're discovering how God created things and that all truth is God's truth. And so uh, if there was a Big Bang Theory, you know, then, then that's the Big Bang Theory. But here's, here's the qualifier. I would think that most scientists would say that the Big Bang Theory or something like evolution just randomly happened. But as, as a believer in God, I would say that you know, the Big Bang Theory, if it's true, it didn't randomly happen. That's the way that God 
created. It was, there's intention behind that. The Bible is not a science book, but it's a book that tells us the why behind the reality. And so I would say that, you know what, maybe God just said, bang, and it happened. And so I believe God created, I believe God created through speech. Uh, and if there's something like the Big Bang Theory is true, that that was intentional and it didn't just happen. So I'll leave that up to you to wrestle with. But we believe that God is the creator of all things and that God spoke creation into existence and it's a beautiful and it's a special thing and so um, we've got a picture here of our galaxy the Milky Way galaxy and you can kind of see that we're we're a small part of that and so uh, this is a galaxy that has our solar system in it and uh, and there's supposed to be like 200 billion of these in the universe and so our God is a great God and God has created suns and moons and stars and planets and God created the Sahara Desert and Mount Everest and uh, Niagara Falls and all of this beauty, right? But even that wasn't really uh, the, the, the crown of creation, right? The, the gemstone. There's still something even more special in all of this that God has created. Uh, and we're going to see that in the Bible. We're going to be in the book of Genesis today, the very first book of the Bible. Uh, if you've got that with you and you want to look on your phone or your tablet or in your Bible, uh, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 27. This is God's masterpiece uh, of creation. Then God said, let us make mankind or humankind in our image. Okay, You and I, we are the crown jewel of creation. That's just that's incredible to think about that. And some people say, well, why is God talking in, in, in third person? Let, God, let us make mankind. You know, I'm guessing that's God the Trinity, God the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Let's make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So we're to care for the earth that God has created. So God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So brothers and sisters, you and I are created in the image of God. And that means there's something very special, something very good about us. So turn to somebody right now and say, you're looking good today, right? Go ahead. Looking good today because we're created in God's image and God is good. God is perfect. And but I think being created in God's image is more than just the way that we look. I think it says something about our nature and that we are God-like, that we have goodness in us, that we can create things, that we can love each other, that we can make the world a better place, that, that we can forgive others. And so being created in God's image is, is very powerful, and it's more than just that we're good-looking, and y'all are, y'all are great-looking. And so, uh, but, but it's all about a relationship. Right? All of creation, what's most important to God is a relationship between us and God and us and each other. And that, you know, to think about how big the universe is and all the things that God's created and think that, you know, the relationship that we have with God is the most important thing. It's humbling. It's mind-boggling. Like, you know, one of the psalmists says, who am I, right, that God would even notice me? And yet God says, you are like the crown jewel of, of the creation. And it's incredible. And we go on later in, in Genesis 2 and 3 to, to read the story of Adam and Eve. And uh, we saw in the video, it was cute, how God, you know, plucked the rib from Adam and, and created Eve. And he went, whoa, man, right? So a woman. And so uh, y'all probably didn't know that my wife, Laura, is a Hebrew scholar, right? You probably didn't know that. And uh, she was telling me the other day, yeah, that the, 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 the Hebrew word behind the English word that we translate as rib, uh, the Hebrew word is really brains. And we got to cut that translation wrong. So, uh, so when God created... Uh, 
ladies took their brains out of men and created y'all. I, that's probably true. So I'll trust my Hebrew-loving <laughs> wife, and uh, y'all can compliment her on that. So uh, we're the crown jewel of God's creation, and uh, it's just it's it's incredibly powerful. So God puts Adam and Eve, the first humans, in the Garden of Eden. It's his paradise, and we're responsible to take care of, of the animals in the world. And and God walked in the garden and spoke with Adam and Eve, and it was just a special time. And and they had access to pretty much anything that they that they wanted to. And 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 God gave them the freedom to to choose to love God. So he wanted Adam and Eve to be in a relationship, but they had a choice to love God. And so my family and I, uh, we went to our boys' basketball games. They play upward basketball, and they played their games yesterday morning, got their pictures taken. So then we went out to eat. We tried out this new Greasy Spoon kind of barbecue place we'd never been to, and uh, it was a really good place, but the seating's kind of cramped. And so Laura and, and Nathan were sitting in the booth across from Luke and me, and, and after we'd eaten, Nathan said, Daddy, can I come sit on your lap? And I'm like, you know, that, that just melts your heart in your moment. It's like this cramped seat, and I'm like, like, you know, Laura's like, you know, yeah, go over there. And she's like, remember, Kyle, you know, he's five, and, and and pretty soon he won't be able to sit on your lap or want to sit on your lap. Or if he does, it'll be kind of creepy because he's taller, you know. But uh, so I'm like, so come sit on my lap. Absolutely. And we crammed in behind the seat. And it's just, you know, one of those moments of, oh, I'm so glad to be a dad and, and to have my boys who love me. And, and this is a special moment. And uh, but, but what if I had said to Nathan, Nathan, stop eating. I don't want you to come sit on my lap. And he's like, no, daddy, I don't want to. And I'm like, you come over here and sit on my lap. Right? That had been a much different conversation and been a much different relationship. And, and so, you know, God doesn't make us love him. Right? I just, he wants us to choose to love him. So he gives us the freedom to love him or not. God gives us the freedom to obey him or not. God gives us the, the freedom to disappoint him or not. And so, you know, just imagine somebody in your life that you love, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife, your best friend, your brother, sister, whatever. How would it be if, if you knew they loved you because they had to as opposed to because they chose to? Those are two entirely different things, even though some of you might be thinking, I'd love for a supermodel to love me. Uh, I could deal with that. But no, no, we really wouldn't want that because, right, love is only love if it's, if it's given freely. And so God says, I want you to love me. And, and here's the Garden of Eden and, and here's the tree of life. And you can eat of this tree. And as long as you do that, you'll live forever. But, but, but here's a tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I, I just would ask that you would not do this. Don't eat of this. You can have anything else, but but don't do this. And so, right, this is, maybe it's a test. I don't know. Maybe it's like, you know, are you going to love me? Are you going to choose to do what I ask you to do? Or do you trust me that you don't need to eat from that tree? And, and of course, when you tell a human being not to do something, what do we do? Uh, right, we're going to do it. And so, uh, you know, the serpent comes in and, and, and later, you know, we, we, we interpret this was the devil coming in to, to tempt Adam and Eve and, you know, God said, don't eat of the tree because you would die. And, and the serpent says, man, you're not going to die. You're, you're going to be like God. You're going to have the knowledge of good and evil, right? And, and, and you deserve that. And you need to do that. So he's appealing to, to Eve's pride. And, and she gives in and she eats. And then she gets Adam to eat. And then all of a sudden they discover that they're naked. And, you know, there wasn't anything wrong with that. But now they're, they're ashamed. And so they want to go and they want to hide from God. And God comes and, and sees what they've done. And he calls out, where are you? And he said, what happened? And, you know, Eve blames the serpent and then Adam blames Eve. But, you know, each of them is responsible for their own choices. And, and so this is what happens in history. We're created in God's image and now that image becomes stained. And so this is what's known as the fall. And, and there are a lot of consequences that happen to Adam and Eve that, that are even passed on to us that, that result from this. And so th this is a sad moment in the relationship between God 
and humanity because of the sin of pride of, of Adam and Eve. And they don't immediately die, but, but they are going to ultimately die. So God was, was absolutely telling them the truth. And so, you know, there's a lot of consequences. You know, some of the consequences uh, are just everyday consequences. It says that the, the serpent was cursed, and now the serpents have to crawl on their bellies. And so that's, that's why a, a serpent crawls on its belly. And uh, these are called etiologies. Um, that is, that's not the study of E.T., the space alien. If you remember him, we got a picture of that, like, phone home, right? That's, that's, that's not what we're talking about. In etiology, our next slide, it, it's a cause or an origin. A lot of, um, of things in the Bible explain why things are the way they are. Why does the serpent crawl on its belly? Because it, it tempted Adam and Eve. And it also says that women are going to have extreme pain in childbirth because of it. Thanks a lot, Adam and Eve, right? Those of you women, it's like, come on, right? So that is an etiology. It's, it's an explanation of why things are they, the way they are. Noah and the rainbow, that's an etiology. Why are there rainbows in the sky? Because it's a promise that God's not going to flood the world again. And so those are, those are some of the, the, the consequences that come up. But, but there's some major consequences, Right? The one major consequence is sin. Right? It, it's disobedience of God. It, it's missing the mark, literally missing the mark. Right? So, so now we're born in the image of God, but we're also born with, with this sin in our lives. And, and so it's this dichotomous struggle that we have of, of being human. And with sin comes guilt and shame. When we do something wrong, we feel guilty about that. And we feel ashamed like Adam and Eve. We want to hide ourselves. We want to cover ourselves up. We don't want to be in God's presence. And so... So for the rest of, of, of existence, we're in this struggle between being created in God's image, which is good, and then having this, 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 this sinfulness in our nature uh, and it brings guilt and shame with it. And so those are some very serious consequences that come from the fall uh, of Adam and Eve. Uh, and that's not all. And just We're going to jump back into Genesis again if you want to pull your Bibles back out. This time we're going to be in chapter 3, verses 22 through 24. The Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil, right? Have just eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. Right? That's why we have to work hard. And after he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim, right, angels, uh, and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So not only do we have the consequences of sin and guilt and shame, but now we've been cut off from the tree of life, so we are going to die one day. right? Physically, our bodies, we will die. Uh, and then we've also been separated from God, right? Broken relationship. It's not 100% what it was. And separation, the Bible, is, is the word hell, right? So, so we're not in a full communion with God. And so it's severed while we're alive on the earth. And after we die, we're not with God in heaven because we're not perfect. And so these are some major consequences that we inherit, right? And, and it's not just inherited sin. It's we, we choose to do wrong things in our lives. And so we can, we can feel this struggle between creating God's image and then sin and guilt and shame and death and hell. And, and that's the human existence that we deal with, right? It's Martin Luther King weekend. Uh, we, we celebrate that there's been a lot of racial reconciliation in our nation. And I think that shows the, the image of God as we try to reconcile. But there's still a lot of hatred and there's still a lot of racism. And there's still a lot of stuff happening like in, in Virginia, right? In Charlottesville, Virginia. And, and, and that terrible march and all that kind of stuff. And so there's good between races, and, and then there's still a lot of sin and brokenness in the world. And so we're in this, this dichotomous kind of struggle, 
right? And so there's really good stuff and there's really challenging stuff. So, so after Adam and Eve, uh, God does give them the gift of, of continuing to live and they have a family and they have these boys, Cain and Abel, but you know, the image of God's passed on to them, but also so was the sinful nature. And so we, we saw in the video, we read in our books that Cain was jealous of his brother Abel because God accepted his sacrifice and, and not Cain's. And so Cain kills Abel, right? Right? So we have the first murder in history. And so God banishes Cain and, and tells him to wander the, the world for the rest of existence and of his existence. And then we get to Noah and we see that the world's become so corrupt that God just like, I've got to start over. There's just, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's very little left that that's good. And he finds one man, Noah, who's a great man and, and, and his family and they get all the animals in the ark and, and God floods the world and he saves humanity through Noah and he starts over. But even Noah, as good as he was, uh, is not perfect. And there's a story in Noah's life that was not in our reading for today. It's not in the abridged version. Uh, it's definitely not going to be being taught in our children's explorers ministry today. Uh, if you know about what I'm getting ready to talk about, after Noah got off the ark, he, he got some grapes, he made some wine, he had too much wine, and he got drunk and he passed out and he wasn't wearing any clothes. And so uh, his son Ham comes up and sees him and goes, whoa, dad, I didn't even see that. And so Ham went and got his other two brothers, told them what's going on. And they kind of cover their eyes and come in with the sheet and they cover Noah up. Noah wakes up and he figures out what's going on. And he's mad, not at the two boys who covered him up because they covered their eyes, but he's mad at Ham. He's so mad at his son Ham, who did nothing wrong but walk in on his dad, who was there drunk and naked. And he says to Ham, I'm going to curse your son Canaan from now on, right? And so Ham's son now is cursed by Noah. Noah did the wrong thing and cursed his own grandson. And that's an ideology of why the Canaanites and the Israelites don't get along. And we'll read all about that in the Bible, right? And so... The point here is, well, there's more than one point. One is drunk and naked is not a good place to be, okay? So we, we learn from that. Um, but uh, especially young people, drunk and naked, not good. Things don't happen from that that, that are good. And so, uh, but the second thing is the sin is passed on, right? Noah is this good guy, right? And the sin is passed on, on through him. And, you know, we, we don't make you know, drunk, naked, Noah action figures, right? So it's not being taught in Explorers today, but it is a very important message. So the, the, the you know, a bigger question is, well, why does God just put up with us, right? Adam and Eve blew it, Cain and Abel blew it, you know, Noah blew it, right? It's like, we can understand, God, why you're getting mad and, and you're getting upset. And, you know, sometimes we think, you know, God's just waiting on us to make mistakes so he can punish us or send us to hell. But, you know, that, that's not God's nature at all. Right? God is, is a God of grace, which means unmerited favor. Right? God does things for us that we don't deserve. And so Adam and Eve messed up, but God didn't kill them immediately. And he let them live their lives, and he continued to be a part of their lives, and they created a family. Right? Cain was, was punished for killing his brother. He had to wander the earth, but God put a mark on him that says, leave this man alone and don't kill him. And, and Cain got married and he started and had a family. Noah, he had a mistake, certainly, but, but he and his family repopulated the earth. And, right? and so even in the midst of all of the sin and the guilt and the shame and all that, God is with us and loves us. Right? God gives us grace. God gives us unmerited favor. And, and so what happens is, is immediately after Adam and Eve mess it up, right, God launches a plan to get us back. 
right? And we're going to read that in the story. And ultimately, it's going, to, it's going to culminate in God sending His Son Jesus into the world to bring us back. But, but there's a whole lot of stuff between us and Jesus, and it's all part of God's plan. So the, the rest of the story, we're going to read how God launches His plan to win us back, right? To wipe out the stain of sin so that we're restored in the full image of God, which is, is a good thing. And so, so here, here's the big idea of the day. God doesn't give up on us. We shouldn't give up on ourselves. God doesn't give up on us, and so we shouldn't give up on ourselves. We are like Adam and Eve. We're like Cain. We're like Abel. We're like Noah. Right? We are capable of doing a lot of good stuff. We're also capable of doing a lot of bad stuff. But God doesn't give up on us, and so neither should we give up on ourselves. Right? So there's, there's a, a few points I just would invite you to take away with this. The first is acknowledge the reality of our dual nature. Right? Within all of us, there is the, the ability to do great good. Right? And we do good things. Right? We, we, just, we raised $68,000 to help feed uh, or to, to give clean water to the people of Haiti and to give you know, free medicine to some, some, some people in poverty here in North Carolina. We're capable of great good, but at the same time, we also choose to do wrong things. Right? We, we hurt each other. We hurt God. And, and so sometimes we, we need to be a little bit better than Adam and Eve. And, and we, we just got to understand our, our nature, right? We're capable of great good. We're also capable of, of evil and, and wrong things. And, and we've, got to, we've got to admit that. When we, do, when we do good, we do good. When we do bad, we do bad, right? So the second thing would be it was sometimes we, just, we need to face the consequences, right? When we blow it. Right. There's two kinds of consequences. There's earthly consequences and there's eternal consequences. Right. So earthly consequences, if I lie to you and you find out earthly consequences, you're probably not going to trust me. Right. If I if I commit a crime and I have to go to prison, that's an earthly consequence. If I abuse my body uh, and I develop some kind of disease or sickness because I haven't taken care of my body, that's an earthly consequence. Right. So we have to face those consequences. We also have eternal consequences when we do sin against God and against each other. Then we're going to feel guilt. We're going to experience shame. We're going to die and we're going to be separated from God and each other. And we're going to be in broken relationships. So those are consequences consequences we have to face. Now that would stink if that's the last point that I left you with, but it's not, right? So the, the, the third and final point is to ask Jesus for help, right? Because we can't solve this on our own. We can't solve this duality of our nature on our own, right? We have to ask God for help to help us deal with the consequences and to overcome the consequences. So here's what God did. He sent his son Jesus into the world to take upon himself our guilt, our shame, our sin, our death, and our hell. So when he died on a cross, Jesus took all of that on himself for us. And when he came back to life, right, he now gives us a different story. Now we can receive forgiveness for the wrong things that we do. Our guilt and shame can be replaced with joy and peace. We can live life to the full while we live and breathe on the earth, and we can live forever in the kingdom of heaven because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. We, we can't do it ourselves. We have to ask Jesus to come in. Forgive us, Lord, of what we've done wrong. I want to leave that behind. I want to turn away from that. I want you to forgive me. I want you to come in, Lord, and I want you to live in my life, right? And so, and so Jesus comes in, and he takes care of those eternal consequences, right? So now when we die, we'll be with God in heaven, right? And, 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 and now the guilt and the shame and the sin, he, he takes that, and he turns it into joy and peace so that we can live life to the full now and live forever in the kingdom of heaven. And he helps us 
get through the earthly consequences. We still might have to go to jail. We still might lose a friend. We still might be sick in our bodies, but he's going to help navigate that. But the point is, we need help. We're creating God's image, but we do wrong things, and we can't overcome that without God. So God can take care of our eternal consequences, but he can also give us the strength in day-to-day life when we're feeling the tug between the image of God and the angel on our shoulder and, and sin and the devil on our shoulder, and Jesus can give us strength to do the right thing. Because God loves us, we're good, but what's even more important is that Jesus is good, right? And so we need the help and the power of Jesus. So Luke, again, age 10, fourth grade, he's um, just got his report card recently, and we were going over that, and he did a good job with that, real proud of him. And the next day at school, he said that one of his friends came in and was, you know, really kind of depressed and was acting, you know, pretty tired. And he said, you know, what's going on? He's like, you know, I was up all night. My dad was super upset about my report card, and he just kept me up, and he was yelling at me all night. And he just kept telling me that I'm an utter failure. Ten years old, fourth grade, his father kept him up all night saying, you are an utter failure because you brought home these bad grades. So, of course, Luke was trying to encourage him, and, and Luke came home and told me and Laura, and, and we were just telling him, you know, Luke, you know, that's so sad, and you, you got to tell him, you know what, it's okay. Sometimes we make bad grades. That doesn't mean that you're an utter failure. In fact, you're not another failure, not an utter failure. God loves you. God has plans for your life, right? You can, you're not defined by your grades, and so you are good. You are not an utter failure. So, you know, that's the message we're trying to send through our son to, to this boy, and uh, it just breaks your heart, right? But sometimes I think we feel like that four-year-old boy, and we think that God is like this God who thinks, you know, wow, you messed up, and you're such an utter failure, and you're going to hell, and I don't care about you, and, you know, we're thinking, I just try to do the right thing, but, you know, I'll do a couple of right things, but I'm always messing up, and you don't know the stuff that I've done. You don't know the stuff that I'm capable of. I do bad stuff all the time. There's no way that God could love me, and, and we get in this trap that we're like this, this friend of Luke's who's in the fourth grade, and, and he's hearing all this stuff, and it's completely wrong. God doesn't give up on us. We cannot give up on ourselves. So no matter what you've done, no matter what baggage or guilt or shame that that we carry around, God is ready to say, let it go and give it to Jesus. And that's why I sent him. Because I love you and I've made you in my image. And yes, it's been stained, but I'm ready to wipe that stain off through the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. We cannot give up on ourselves because God does not give up on us. And that is the good news today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Amen.